Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. What's up, everybody? Hey, today we're talking about one of my favorite subjects. Uh, We're going to talk about leadership. And I know that not everybody listening would consider yourself a leader or maybe would even say, I don't know that I have people who are, you know, following me that I'm leading. But everybody is a leader, at least from the standpoint that you have to lead yourself. So no matter what season of life that you're in, there is something in today's episode specifically for you. I love the topic of leadership. I don't know why. My mom tells me that some of her earliest memories of me or some of her fondest were when I was three and four years old and in the carpool uh, car with some friends going to preschool and I would correct their grammar and I would tell them what they were and were not saying correctly. And I don't have too many memories of that, but I know that from the earliest point of my life, I have found it fun and enjoyable to lead other people. Some people might phrase that as boss other people around, but as I've grown and learned and matured, I've learned that leadership really is not bossing at all. I think it begins in children as sort of bossy type behavior. So if you've got a kid in your home or in your life who has no problem just telling it like it is, you have spotted a leader. So encourage them, encourage them to learn how to hone that gifting. But Romans 12.8 says this, if your gift is to lead, lead well. I paraphrased that, but I love that the Bible even talks about the gift of leadership. So, you know, I love leading. I love being in the room where decisions are being made. I love um, being a part of casting vision for people. At some level, I kind of feel like it's what I was made to do. But that being said, I also love learning about leadership. And every time I learn about leadership, I realize I know nothing about leadership in all of my, you know, 10 plus years of ministry. I guess at this point, it's been something like 15 years of ministry. I still feel like I have so much to learn. So today's podcast is not an exhaustive list. It's not an in-depth study. It's really just four key components of what all leaders need to be doing. Um, And really, I should say what all people need to be doing, because again, You might only be leading yourself, but you are worth leading yourself well. So, you know, you might only be leading your family, right? A lot of us, our our place of leadership is in the home. And uh, that's one of our biggest spheres. And so I want to say to you, don't minimize that. If you're a female or a male, doesn't really matter. You have a place of influence in your home. So, you know, you can go listen to a couple episodes ago where we talked about women and uh, be encouraged as a woman that you do have a place of leadership in your home as well especially with your kids, but also with your husband, there's things you're doing that are helping him become a better man. That's leadership. We just don't always call it that. So let's just dive right in. What do you say? The first component of being a good leader that I want to encourage you with today is this. Leaders don't back away from difficulty. So let me say it again. Leaders don't back away from difficulty. What does this mean? Well, basically what I'm saying here is that as a leader, you are responsible for making the hard choices. As a leader, it's up to you 
to demonstrate and model what to do with difficulty. Are we okay with running away? Are we okay with hiding from our problems? Or do we fundamentally believe that there is a solution for every situation? And what somebody needs in their life is not always to just be told what to do and don't do, but to be shown that you have what it takes to rise to every challenge in your life. You might not have what it takes in and of yourself. You might need to recruit some other people in your life to come alongside of you, to help you, to give you wisdom, to give you guidance, but you have what it takes to invite that person in. So leaders, we don't back away from difficulty. I'll just be really vulnerable for a second. This one is really hard for me. And it's something that I have to remind myself of often. You know, I wish that even being sort of a natural born leader, for lack of a better word, meant that I always felt this sense of uprising purpose when I'm facing a difficulty. I don't. Sometimes the sense that I feel is like a pervasive hopelessness. From time to time, when I'm faced with difficulty, I actually am facing a personal cynicism. Cynicism, by its definition, is, is really, I mean, not the Webster definition, but it's really this sort of idea that there's not a good solution possible, that it's, it's kind of a hopeless thing. So we become cynical because we no longer believe that we're going to win in this area. And as a leader, when you're facing difficulty, sometimes one of the things you're facing is your own cynicism about the situation. If you're talking about leading in a relationship and that person is just not on the same page with you, that can be incredibly hard. But I just want to encourage you, don't back away from the difficulty. Don't back away from the uniqueness of the situation that's before you because God has a solution for you. And what people in your life need is to see someone model how to navigate something hard with grace and, and um, passion for Jesus. Because a lot of times when we see people um, you know, dealing with difficulty in their life, there's such a downward spiral accompanying it. It's like there's all this collateral damage by their emotional outpouring as well. And so as leaders, it's kind of our job to demonstrate how to not back away from difficulty. Okay, the next one is this. Number two, leaders speak words of life. Leaders speak words of life. So James tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I know that a lot of people kind of say, that's more of a metaphor. It's not really, you know, literal. And I will let you believe what you want to believe about that. But to me, we shape the atmosphere around us by the words that we choose. So if we want an atmosphere that's charged with life and possibility, then as leaders, we have to speak that out. I'm not saying that your words words become physical matter. What I'm saying is that we lift the attitudes of those around us. There are statistics and studies out there um, in the brain science realm that talk about when you don't believe there is a solution, your brain really does not, it doesn't have the same capability to access 
problem solving ways. So what does that mean? If you fundamentally believe this is hopeless, I'm not gonna, you know, there's no hope for me here. This isn't going to work out, et cetera. Then your brain capability of finding a solution is already diminished just because that's what you believe. So as leaders, when we come into a situation and we begin to speak life, we open up the realm of brain power for those around us. We open up the opportunity for possibility for those around us. We increase our ability to hear from God because our expectation is that we will. So when we're in a setting that's difficult, when we come in and speak life, man, you're going to see the people around you at home, in your job, wherever, you're going to see them expand and become greater. But when we speak words of life, even when things are going well, then we continue to raise the bar of what's possible. So I do this with my kids all of the time. I mean, probably one of the greatest places of influence that I have is in my home. And yes, I lead in other capacities as well, but I take my leadership to my children and in my family extremely importantly, because I know if I can raise them to be free of tremendous amounts of wounding, we're all going to have some wounding, but if I can keep them, you know, below average on the typical amount of wounding, then they're going to thrive in their adult life. So I know it's my job to speak words of life to them when they're having a hard time. We're pointing, I'm pointing them with my words to expectation of goodness, to encountering God, to believing the best. Here's a great example of something super practical with kids. Um, You know, when your kids have nightmares and so then they become afraid of going to sleep at night. Now, I know there's some underlying things that may be bigger issues than something as simple as this. But what I like to say to my kids is I need you to understand that God is with you in your room. That just because mom and dad are not there doesn't mean that you're alone. You have angels protecting you. You have the Holy Spirit around you. You have Jesus living inside of you. You are not alone. What am I doing in that? I am speaking words of life. One of my favorite moments was my daughter went through a phase, my older daughter, when she was like three, you know, two to four years old. And she was just really afraid of a lot of things. And so we began to tell her, hey, listen, speak to that fear and tell it to get out in the name of Jesus. So when she would go to bed and she was feeling afraid, my husband would lay down on the bed with her and and they would speak to the fear and say, fear, get out in the name of Jesus. Well, when she started potty training, she started being afraid of of the bathroom, the literal room of the bathroom. And so uh, one day she walked up to the bathroom on her own and she said, Jesus, get out of there. And it was the funniest moment because she meant to say fear and said Jesus instead of in Jesus' name. And we we laughed about it. We said, no, Jesus, go back in there. We we do want you in there. Um, But we're teaching them how to speak words of life. So the number one thing you're going to do as a leader is not back away from difficulty. The number two thing you've got to be doing is speaking words of life to yourself and to those around you. How do you know it's a word of life? Because it it doesn't bring destruction in its verbiage. You know, there's a great uh, book called War, War of Words, and it talks about like murdering people with your speech. Now, it's not a literal death, but it's an emotional death. And so we do have a lot of power in what we say. So leaders, we're going to speak words of life. Okay, the third thing we're going to do as leaders is we're going to model how to make the sacrifice. We're going to model how to make the sacrifice. Listen, you may have already picked up on this theme here, but so much of leadership is modeling. 
in the context of faith and faith-based things in the church, in discipleship, et cetera, what, what you're doing as a leader is demonstrating how to live for Jesus. So the modeling is so important. We got to model how to make the sacrifice. Listen, friends, if you're not willing to do it, they won't be either. If you're not willing to do it, they're not going to do it either. I love how um, some people say it like this. Some pastors of mine, friends of mine say it like this, that the level that you tolerate is what the next generation is going to celebrate. Let me say that again. What you tolerate is what they will celebrate. What does that mean? The stuff that I just don't care to really, you know, deal with the stuff that I just kind of let be, that's the stuff that the next generation coming up is going to exploit. If you have kids, then you know, human nature loves to find loopholes, right? And adult human nature is no different. So we have to model how to make the sacrifice, whether that is saying no to something that's sinful, whether that's drawing the hard line and saying, listen, we're not going to spend our money on this anymore. We're going to tithe. If that requires sacrifice, so be it. Listen, we're not going to have our vice in this behavior. We're going to turn to Jesus. Whatever the case may be, you as a leader are modeling how to make the sacrifice. Now, if you're a single person and you're saying, I'm only leading myself, how do I model to myself how to make that sacrifice? I would just say to you, practice, 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 because eventually you will have other people in your wake. You will have family members. You will have friends who want to follow you. And one of the things that's going to draw them to you is your willingness to do the hard things and to make the sacrifices necessary. I'm not saying that you debase yourself and that you make sacrifices just for the sake of making sacrifices. I'm saying when it's the hard thing to do, but you know it's the right thing to do, that's what you have to be willing to do as a leader. Again, if you're not willing to do it, they won't be. So I love when I'm asking my kids to do something and they just have no interest and I have to stop and say, am I doing it? Am I demonstrating to them that, for example, we're going to put our clothes away, you know, in my home, I'm not a neat person. I'm a clean person. My surfaces will always be germ free, but they're probably also going to be cluttered. Why? Because I don't mind that much clutter. I mean, you know, I don't mind. I do mind a lot of clutter, but a little bit of clutter doesn't bother me. It never has. In fact, I used to, you know, really despise a dresser drawer because it needed to be, quote, closed, that society said it had to be closed when I'm just going to open it up again. So I would leave them open. I know I'm weird. Anyways. If I want my kids to be patterning a certain amount of behavior, then I have to become that behavior so that they will. I can't ask them to do something I'm not willing to do. So if I want them to speak kindly to one another, to honor each other, then I have to speak kindly to them. Why? Because I'm willing to make the sacrifice to model to them how to live. All right, so don't back away from a difficulty. Speak words of life. Model how to make the sacrifice. And the fourth one is this. If you hear nothing else, hear this one. Leaders make it happen. Leaders make it happen. We are activator kind of people. We understand that something is not going to do itself. That if we want change, we have to make the change. If we want growth, we have to be the growth. We have to step out and do it. 
Here's what this looks like on a really practical level, especially in the home. If you want something to be a part of your family culture, it's up to you to make it happen. So here's a great example. When we, before we had kids, we were really close friends with a family who they were amazing at sitting around the table and encouraging one another. So even when their kids were like three, four, five years old, they could come up with something to encourage each other about. I was blown away by this. So we'd sit at the dinner table with them and they would say, okay, we're all going to go around and, you know, maybe it's so-and-so's birthday and everybody's going to say something about that person that they love. And each kid, four-year-old kid, five-year-old kid, seven-year-old kid would say, hey, sister, I love this about you. And it was good, heartfelt encouragement. So I wanted this in my life. Now, you know, I have a husband who I adore. I love him. I love being in his life. I love him being in my life. But he's a man of few words. And he's a man of few sentimental words. So he has to really think about it for a while before he can share something like that. So when we started embracing this in our family culture, it was really hard for him. It was a really big value to me. I wanted us to be a family that honored each other. I wanted us to be a family that found it easy to celebrate one another. That, you know, normal families, we can instantly come up with what we don't like about you and we could go around the table throwing that in your face. I wanted to be the kind of family who sat down and said, so-and-so, this is what we love about you. And so I had to model it. I had to make it happen. Why? Because my husband wasn't totally on board with it yet. He wasn't against it. He just wasn't totally on board with it. Now he leads the charge, but it's been several years. Leaders, we make it happen. If you want a culture of celebration in your life, guess what? You can make that happen. If you want a culture of holiness in your life where you're really saying no to, you know, anything that's even remotely categorized as sinful, you can make that happen. If you want a culture where everybody is talking about what they're learning from the Bible, you can make that happen. I hope you're hearing me say it doesn't matter what you want to see happen. You can make it happen. It's our job as leaders to be the ones who initiate, who be the ones who make it happen. So, you know, whether that's even building friendships or making disciples or being discipled by someone else, I just want to encourage you, exercise the leadership that's on your life and go get what you want. Be assertive, not aggressive, but be assertive. This is one of the things that sets good leaders apart from great leaders. Great leaders, when they have a vision for something that they want to do or see happen, they don't sit back and hope someone else will do it. They get in it. They get messy with it. They get, they let it marinate all over them. In fact, they kind of become what they want to see embodied in the people around them. And to me, that's one of the greatest qualities of leadership that you can have. So quick recap, leaders, we don't back away from difficulty. We speak words of life. We model how to make the sacrifice and we make things happen. I want to encourage you again, no matter what stage of leadership you're in, whether you are only leading yourself or whether you're leading your home or a small group or at your job or wherever the case may be, you are uniquely gifted to impact the people around you and no one can do it quite like you. So I would encourage you to invest in your leadership. If you have a role that is a leader role outside of the home, like in a job or at the church or something like that, I want to encourage you, invest in your leadership. Why? Because the Bible tells us that when we are faithful with the little things, he will make us ruler over much. What does that mean? That means when I see the people that are in my life as as, um, gifts, 
as when I see my role in their life as a stewardship role, and I begin to give myself to them, to help them, to sacrifice for them, etc., then I am becoming a trustworthy person that God can use on a bigger scale. So that might mean you start with discipling one or two people and God you know, expands that to make you ruler, so to, so to speak, over a small group. So now your influence is more than just one and two, it's 10 people. That's not a small thing in the kingdom of God. So I just want to encourage you, invest in your leadership. You can do this. Uh, you've got this and I'm rooting for you. So uh, if you got questions about this or you want some resources on areas and how places that I go to to invest in my leadership gifting, I would love to share those with you. Um, message me on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And uh, until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.